Hey, what's up Parkview and welcome to church. Hey, before we get started from our team to you, we just want to say happy new year. You know, we really hope that this is the best year yet for you and your family. And speaking of a new year, this year at Parkview, we're doing a theme called A Year of First Steps. And what that means is we're just encouraging people to take a step in their walk with Christ this year. That's going to kick off at all campuses January 9th, so make sure you don't miss it. Also, January 9th at all campuses is an event called Winter Palooza. It's a kids' ministry event where we just have fun and games and high energy. It's a great time. Make sure you don't miss that. You can find more info on that at parkviewchurch.com slash winterpalooza. Hey, once again, so excited that you're here with us today. Grateful that you chose to join us online, and let's worship together. So come on.
Hey Parkview, Happy New Year to you. Hope you had a great Christmas and you were able to make some good memories with your family or your friends and that you were able to take in a Christmas Eve service here at Parkview. There was a lot of good stuff in there, so if you missed it, go back and check it out. A little bit about me. When I was four years old and in preschool, I got into a disagreement with another boy over a toy sword. The disagreement went from verbal to physical and ended in me punching this kid in the face. And at the time, I remember not really feeling sorry for what I had done, but my parents made me call this boy's house up and apologize for my actions. And the phone call was awkward, but I remember thinking, at least I'll never have to see you again. Fast forward 13 years, I'm working at one of my first jobs. It's a hobby shop, not like Hobby Lobby, one of these like little mom and pop ones. And if it wasn't the fumes from shrink wrapping RC car boxes that was gonna kill me, it was going to be my new supervisor who on one particular day said, I know you. Now that's never a great way to start a conversation as you know. She goes on, she goes, you and my son got into a tussle way back when. Yep. It was the preschool kid's mom. She was my new boss. 13 years later, she's still salty about the pre-K scuffle. Now, some of you may call this karma, but I call it God having a sense of humor because I made sure after that point to never assume the phrase, I'll never see you again. In case you were wondering, I was actually fired two weeks later for accidentally shutting the power down in the whole shop by plugging their 1930s vacuum into the wrong outlet. Honestly, I was relieved. That lady was ready to go to fisticuffs with me any day. So kids, if you're listening to this, learn from my mistakes. If you're going to get in fights in preschool, don't. Or at least keep track of the whereabouts of everyone involved so when they show back up in your life, you're ready for it. In fact, today, we're talking about someone from the Bible who no doubt said, I'll never see you again, only to find out later he would be seeing them again. But before we get to that, do you remember your first job? Maybe it was when you were in high school or college. Maybe you're in high school or college now doing that first job. Mine was actually a busboy at a pizza place. And I was raised to work hard, be respectful. And my parents used to say, work is unto the Lord. And it came from this verse in Colossians 3. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I'll be honest, I wasn't always sure what that meant. I never really went into work expecting anything miraculous to happen. The only work-related miracles were getting to leave early, an occasional raise, or not getting fired for something you did in preschool. The real God stuff happened in my life after I left work. And maybe you feel this way. Work is necessary and good, but not always the grounds on which amazing things happen. On top of that, many of us this past year, and maybe you feel this way even now, are asking, am I even in the right career? Do I want to be doing this job? You may have been doing the same thing your entire adult life, I mean, the past 20 years. And you're asking, is this the right thing for me? Students, you may be asking right now, am I in the right college, the right major? Am I going in the right direction? And these are significant questions because we spend most of our life at work. The average person is going to spend 90,000 hours or one third of their life at their job. So what we do with work, how we view it, how it shapes us, it has immense implications for who we become. And my hope today is that if you're wrestling with your life direction, your career, your work, I hope today you can leave a little bit encouraged. Because today we're talking about Moses. Moses is a complicated, passionate, at times kind of confusing guy who had the most transformational moment of his life happen where he least expected it. 
And I love this guy. He, his life has been retold and reinterpreted through books and movies, right? Moses, supposes, his toes, a roses. No? Singing in the rain? Come on, people. That's just me. Whatever. Most people know some of the most iconic moments of Moses' life. Floating down the river in a basket, talking to a burning bush, parting the Red Sea, getting the Ten Commandments, nurturing a fantastic beard. And while there's a ton to cover on Moses, we're going to zoom into this whole burning bush experience to see what we can discover. Now, really quick, as we go through this, I find it helpful to actually put my name in the place of the character I'm reading about. It's very easy to hold these Bible stories at arm's length because, let's face it, most of the cultural experiences are completely unrelatable. And while we may not relate to Moses one-to-one, -one, we can relate to his triumphs and his heartaches. So here's a little backstory on Moses and where he's at. First thing, Moses is far from his original home. And at this time, the Hebrew people are enslaved by the Egyptians. And through a wild set of events, Moses, was, was, um, being a Hebrew, was actually raised by an Egyptian. And while his fellow people were enduring tremendous hardship, Moses grows up and he ends up seeing an Egyptian slave driver beating a Hebrew. And he's overwhelmed with anger and he kills the Egyptian. He flees from Egypt because he's afraid for his life. And he lands in a place called Midian. He gets married, settles down, and now he's got a whole new life and a whole new identity. It's fair enough to say that he's hoping not to run into anyone from Egypt, which is why, number two, Moses is a shepherd. He's a working man. He works with animals. He's out in the fields getting mud on the tires, and he's on his own. Uh, growing up, I always pictured shepherds like with a, like a little beard, like with a light little fluffy sheep running around. No, no, no. These guys are like tough dudes. A&E would make a reality show on these people. They're very connected to their environment. They have to defend their sheep against predators on a regular basis. They aren't lightweights. And Moses isn't either. He's done some stuff. He's seen some stuff. And he wants to be left alone. The third thing to know about Moses is that he's living a very ordinary life. He has no intentions of doing anything other than herding sheep. This is his gig. Normal. Or so he thought. Check it out. It's here in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. As a kid growing up in church, I got a sense that this was a magical moment, when in reality, burning bushes in the desert are not uncommon. Lightning strikes and ignites the dry branches and the, and, the, and the dead branches, and everything goes up in flames. And Moses likely noticed it and just kept on his business. But when the burning continued, but it was not consumed, this grounded, salt-of-the-earth, seen-it-all guy knew something is up. Here's what happens next. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers. I have heard them crying out because of their suffering. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
Wow. <laughs> There's a lot in there. And let's just point out the first thing. God shows up to Moses while he's at work. He's on the clock. Uh, most of the time when we're at our jobs, we're not getting divine moments, much less when our tools, the things we're working on and doing, are actually in our hands and, and we're occupied. And so Moses' tool, the tool of a shepherd, Pastor Tim has talked a lot about this. It's a staff. I mean, part walking stick, part prod for the sheep, and a weapon against predators. Moses likely found this piece of wood and carved it down. He uses this thing every day. And while he's holding the staff, it's when God makes a connection with him. While he's at work, God calls Moses to do an extraordinary thing. Moses wasn't on a spiritual journey to discover God. He's just doing his ordinary stuff and boom, something extraordinary happens. Well, a few are extraordinary things, really. And maybe you saw the same stuff. Uh, number one, God seeks out Moses when he's not looking for him. The number two is that we see that God, Mos God knows Moses personally. And the third thing is that he gives Moses an extraordinary task, a calling to go back to Egypt. Moses remembers what Egypt was like though. And, and God describes it. He says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their suffering. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses had seen the misery of the people in Egypt. He heard them crying out. He was concerned about their suffering too. But what was his action back in the day? He killed a slave driver and ran. He's a naughty lister. And now God wants Moses to return back to the place he said he would never go to the people. He said, I'll never see you again and lead them out of Egypt like a bunch of sheep. Yes, Moses is a shepherd. He leads less intelligent animals around and keeps them on the path. It reminds me of this clip Pastor Tim shared last year. I'm coming in. <laughs> and that never gets old. God is saying to Moses, you have been a shepherd of sheep. I now want you to be a shepherd of people. God takes Moses' ordinary and adds his extra to it. All Moses has to do is keep the same basic skill and use it for a higher purpose. It sounds like an amazing call, doesn't it? But Moses has questions, and rightly so. God wants Moses to do a fair amount of talking, uh, and he balks. But God, I'm not a great public speaker. Apparently, even in Moses' day, the Gallup polls were accurate. People don't like public speaking. Moses would rather go to some backwoods ancient dentist for a root canal than do this thing God is asking him to do. So he's got some objections and he feels unworthy and unqualified. I mean, who am I, right? I don't have the authority to do this. I don't have the influence to do this. And what are the people going to say when I tell them what I got to do? They might not listen to me. They might not understand. How do I prove it? Lots of questions. Have you ever felt this way with all these questions swirling around inside? And you may have a lot of fear about what's coming next. You may even be walking like Moses did in the wilderness, tending to a life that wasn't part of your original plan. And even though you may be present physically, mentally and emotionally, you're dragging a lot with you. And if you find yourself in that place today, you're in good company. God often does his best work through people who are in between jobs. And as I read this, I can hear the logic Moses has. He's got some solid questions. I'm sure any of us who were there would have had at least a few. 
God attempts to patiently answer and give a great hype speech for Moses because Moses is his guy. And then Moses answered, check this out. He goes, what if they do not believe me or listen to me when I say the Lord did not appear to you? Moses has to weigh the authenticity of this calling. I can tell them all I want, but how do I show them? As if God wasn't creative enough to show up to Moses in a burning bush, I love what he does next. It's in chapter four, verse two. He says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Don't you love the subtle, dry humor of God? What is that in your hand? It's the staff. I mean, apparently Moses never set it down. He's still got an eye on the flock, making sure everything's going okay, because he's still at work. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. If God turning the staff into a snake is bizarre to you, that's okay. Because the reason is super fascinating. The snake was a symbol of Wajet. It's an early Egyptian goddess who was said to control and protect the land. The imagery actually of the snake came to symbolize Pharaoh's sovereignty, his royalty, his deity, and divine authority in ancient Egypt. It was even used in the headdress of the king of Egypt. So using the symbolism of the snake, God was showing Moses that he alone is God in control over Egypt, not Pharaoh. He's the one true God who is sovereign over the entire land and a higher authority than Pharaoh himself. And God is demonstrating here not only his power by using Moses' staff, he's demonstrating his compassion. Moses was uneasy with the task God gave him. And so he gives new purpose to what Moses was comfortable with leading sheep with a staff. Now he had to lead people who, by the way, in case you haven't been tuning in, can be just as stubborn and ignorant as sheep, myself included. Have you ever felt unworthy and unqualified for something that's unfolding in front of you? I mean, maybe today God wants you to look at the very ordinary things in your life in a new way. Because sometimes our words fail to speak what we want our lives to show. We don't always get the combination right. And Moses didn't either. So where words would fail, God's power would be put on display. And this is where the really cool stuff happens. Because God, in effect, is giving Moses something for show and tell. Remember show and tell? I had so many hobbies and interests as a kid that I was never hurting for something to bring in to school for show and tell. My mom would always have to check in with me before I did because I would pick something that had a bunch of tiny pieces or was really breakable. And when I was in third grade, I asked my mom to bring something both tiny and probably breakable, my baby sister. (laughs) Yep, she was about a year old and I was so proud of my baby sister because she's eight years younger than me and I remember being so excited to show her off. And I know my mom got excited too. What a great big brother I was. Make sure she dresses up, I'm telling her. Yeah, like my mom needs to be reminded of that. (laughs) I can recall the day of show and tell. My mom brings my sister in the classroom. The teacher asked me, where do you want us to put her? Just set her on the carpet. Okay, (laughs) and I can see the look on my mom's face. I put your sister in a dress for this. So she sets her down on the reading rug. The kids gather around and my teacher asks, Kevin, what would you like to share with us about your sister? Uh, I mean, just look at her. 
she's cute. End of speech. And <laughs> of presentation. The girls in my class all thought she was so cute, and that gained some positive attention for me for about 15 minutes until she left. And then it was back to business as usual. I was sketching in my notepad, mumbling about Star Wars. It didn't really matter. I made the right call. I may not have had much to tell, but I had a lot to show. And that's really what makes show and tell special. I told my friends about my baby sister. I had a picture of her. I told them all about her, but when she showed up, the telling took a backseat. Cause that's really the thing. Show first, tell second. God first grabbed Moses' attention with a burning bush. He then told his message, shared it with him. And when Moses started to get lost in it, God again showed him something by throwing his staff on the ground, turning it into a serpent to prove what he was trying to tell him. Moses would go on to use this staff, this tool that he had used for so many ordinary things to perform extraordinary acts. The staff would be in his hand when he confronted Pharaoh when he led people out of Egypt, when he parted the Red Sea, when he guided them through the desert, when he struck a rock to make water pour forth. Doesn't this blow your mind? I mean, he tells Moses, if you could take this tool that you're using, that on a regular basis is used to do super ordinary, super regular things, and I wrap my power in it, great things are gonna happen. And this is wild to me. Because as I look at my own life and I ask God, what do you wanna do with me through you know, the next year into 2022? So often I, I look at the ordinary moments in my life and I want to kind of trade them out for some big flashy ones. When in reality, God is teaching us through this interaction with Moses that it may, might be the least interesting, least inspired moments that really cool stuff can happen. And not only that, we also see that you already have the tool you need for God to do something extraordinary in your life. All you need to do is add the power of God to make the ordinary extraordinary. As you look into this next year, you may be reevaluating your life in different ways. And, and yeah, we could probably all use some better habits and disciplines in different areas of life. But before all of that, I want to ask you this week, in what way can your staff be used to do something extraordinary? What is this thing that you use every day? I mean, it could be an element of work, something at home, something you do for fun, and on and on. It doesn't really matter. What's that regular thing in your life that you've sort of decided its place? You've written it off and said, oh, it's just my that. It's just this. And you look at it as just that, and God looks at it, and he says, I could throw down through you if only you would let me. And in the same way Moses uh, was called by God to simply, from simply being a, a shepherd of sheep to being a shepherd of people, all these years later, the call is the same for you and me. You might be a builder of buildings. You work with your hands. And, and listen, keep building those buildings and making stuff. But that, that skill, take that skill of building and build into some people in your life so that their lives are better and they know Jesus. You might be a nurse, you might be in a helping profession and caring for the human body. But what if you took that skill of nursing and of care and care for the spirits of other people around you? It could be a hobby, you have a skill, an interest, a passion. It really doesn't matter what you are doing, God can use it. And these questions can be tough to answer. How do we make it ordinary, extraordinary and all that? That's okay. You don't have to have the answer for it. All you have to do is take a simple step in this direction. In fact, if you took one of those first steps at Parkview here at Christmas, we want to encourage you in your faith. 
And one easy way that you could take another step this week is to start to pray. Every day you can wake up this week and you can say, just out loud, sure, God, make my ordinary extraordinary. Amen. Boom. That's it. And then have your eyes open for the way that he could use your regular stuff to do something super cool in the lives of not only you, but the people around you. Because how long have we walked through life somehow thinking that the limits imposed on us from others and our circumstances are the reasons we aren't experiencing a life fulfilled, when in reality, God is looking down, ready to make ordinary extraordinary, if only we would let him. When I was 19, I got my first church job. I was leading worship at a small church about 20 minutes from here. And I, I wasn't very good, uh, to be honest. <laughs> but I had a lot of big ideas. And the whole experience was very eye-opening. In my time there, I got to know a woman named Virginia. She cleaned the church building. And she had such a humble spirit, a sweet demeanor. And on the surface, she didn't have much that was extraordinary. When her friends were retired and playing cards, she was scrubbing toilets. Her husband had died years prior, and, and she needed to work at the church to earn some extra money. I know that she didn't feel extraordinary. But every time I saw her in the hall, she would stop and say something encouraging to me. She was so grateful and thoughtful, and honestly, one of the most bearable parts of a really tough time in my life. She took her ordinary five-minute breaks and turned them into something that I'm talking about 18 years later. I eventually left that job, and she died just a few years after that. And although she wasn't well-known for anything extraordinary at that time, she was extraordinary to me. Listen, you don't have to have the perfect life, clever words, the perfect timing to be someone extraordinary to someone else. You don't have to have faith in Jesus all worked out either. You could be full of doubts and questions today. And all you have to do is show up, give your ordinary to God, and let him put his extra on it. You've got the tools in your life already, your staff. It's available to you today. And that's all it took in that moment, back with Moses at the burning bush. God didn't look for Moses to have an answer for how it all work out, where exactly the path would lead when he said, I want you to go. Moses said, but I, I, and God said, it's okay, I'll take care of the rest. It's an exercise of trust and a simple act of faith to say, God, would you use my ordinary thing and make it extraordinary? He's done it in my life. He's done it in the lives of so many people around this church, and he wants to do it in yours too. Let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to turn the calendar over. We, we know there's nothing magical about a new year. There's nothing inherently special about it, but it is a chance for us to pause and to reflect and to take another look at the path that we're walking down. And we are reminded today that you walked on that path with us. God, you are with us every step of the way. And all of our days and all of our moments that feel entirely regular and entirely ordinary and uninteresting to us, they could be so inspired if we would share them with you. So would we share our ordinary, our regular with you this week so that you could do something extraordinary in it that would change us forever? It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Time again, you have proved
Once again, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great to engage together online like this. So excited to be back in person January 9th, which is next weekend. 
Hey, once again, if you have any questions or you need somebody to walk alongside you, our team would love to be that for you. So you can just reach out to us on any social platform, send us an email, and also go to parkviewchurch.com slash this week for the latest info on what's going on around Parkview. Hey, we'll see you real soon.